to Rose All Day Anyway with You go first because I always say my name first. Katie Rainey and Erica Atkin. And we have a special guest today. We do have a special guest. Our special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a format to this? No, no, we just I just want you to I mean our special guest is Melissa Shaw, but I was like, oh yeah, no, like, it's great. It's so do, exciting. Do you wanna like, uh, yeah. you know, like say who you are, where you're from? I can what also you like did. insert a drum roll here and post. Oh so, yeah, like, they're like know. sound effects. What if I just did the drum roll now? I'll add cheering fans, let in the fans. Here we go. There they go. It's beyond fanfare. Fanfare. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. So Melissa Shaw is here with us. Uh, the yeah. famous Melissa, Melissa Shaw. I'm really excited. I love the idea of a drunk podcast, which is really what brought me in. Or like, yeah. not drunk, but drinking. Classy drunk, because it's really Yeah. Yeah. It right. gets drunk towards the end. Like, it. usually, I feel like we're fine in the beginning. And then towards the end, we're like, ah. But the other day, we had my parents, and I felt like we didn't have enough rosé, because Katie kept, like, yeah. asking, like, certain questions that, like, would make us be like, can we have a drink before we, because it was it me, was my dad, my stepmom, my mom. And we'd be like, can we have a drink before anybody answers that question? Wait, <laughs> you, your mom, your dad, and your stepmom? Yeah. 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 Yes. So it's, so. Really, it's, it's really exciting to be here with other artists and writers. And mm. other criers. And yeah. other cries, which it alludes to what we'll be talking about today. But first, I need to describe what we're drinking. Well, let me, before you describe what we're drinking, yeah. actually just give some context to who Melissa is. Yeah, I was wondering if we were going to do that, but then it sounded like we moved on from that. Uh, you know, but. Okay, good. I don't really have a format, so. Okay, great. Use the word, I, I like, I was thinking about my introduction, and I was thinking writer, humorist, and educator would be a really nice way. All right. Nice. Introducing Melissa Boots Shaw. We'll get into the boots later. Writer, human, educator humorist hum- humorist writer humorist educator that's that's pretty good that and the nickname sum- sums it right up <laughs> her christian name is now melissa boots Shaw. my jewish name yeah oh sorry <laughs> yes your jewish name oh, i wish me. i could have a jewish name but i feel like i would get that for a jewish husband so <laughs> well, and it's funny because i don't actually really have a hebrew name so it's actually funny to say that there we go melissa is a teaching artist with a um, plethora of organizations we know her around the city because she works with my organization and she's partnered with erica before on things like teaching artists just do shit in the city all the time boots and i taught together for a long time up at old ye old sarah lawrence miss those classes and I guess I'll explain why the boots is since I'm talking about Sarah Lawrence. Where yeah, because I don't know. So yeah. I'm just over here eating my frosted animal crackers trying to figure out what's going on. That's oh, all right. Okay, so I call Melissa Boots because we had to come up with a signal for when a child did something weird in our class. <laughs> And like we couldn't just like call it out to each right. other, so we had to we had to like give a signal. And like putting on a boot was what one day I said. I think that's because I what I used to do in the children's theater. I don't know. That was a long story. But do you have any more context for boots? I do. It's so funny because I feel like we have such different narratives. Okay, the way maybe that, that nickname was created, which is wonderful that's, because I yeah, think that's that how narrative. It be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's like myth. Everyone depending upon it's like almost like Rashomon. Where it's like there's a different perspective on the story, mm-hmm. but the way that I remember the nickname, uh, which I also will occasionally call Katie as well, because it's kind of like almost like a, a code yeah. name between us. 
was that we were talking about like why it takes so long for this parent to pick oh, up this particular right. student. And like we used to end up getting stuck because it's like parent supervision or like adult supervision before the parents come. And there was the student who was lovely, but we ended up having to wait like extra time. Like for, at for least the, an hour, if not two. Like one time it was like almost two hours. Yeah. For the parent to come. Yeah. And like, it sounds like my parents. Yeah. <laughs> and then so there was kind of this funny and they were like a very interesting kind of like eccentric family. And I think that maybe one day we were riffing and improving as Katie and I both have experience in improv. And I think it came out of this idea of like how long it takes for them to like get dressed and get out the door. And like, so I think it was a, no matter what it was, it was a signal and a pantomime. Yeah. But now at every like staff retreat or something that I have with Melissa and I am in charge of making the name tags, I always put boots on her name tag. That's really sweet. That's the story of Boots. That's a life story for the ages. <laughs> it's going to end up on my gravestone. Yes. It's going to be one of those things where people are like, well, why haven't did they call her Boots? <laughs> that will become a why folklore thing. Why haven't they come thing. to this? That's I would love that. That would yeah, be great. It'd be kind of fun if like, I became one of those you know, kind of cultural icons that at your grave people just like leave their boots like there's just like pairs of <laughs> oh, boots that would be nice you I would come and like you can photograph how many boots that would be beautiful I told my friend I just want to be dropped into a hole in the ground so people finally leave me alone just you know don't come ask me for advice don't come trying to talk to my spirit no one can find me. Yeah. Just like Like Moses. Yeah. I can't believe how Jewish this all got, but actually. <laughs> I love a, it. We need a, more, more. No, it's Jew very strange. Our, I don't even yeah. know why. I don't even, I mean, it's just the thing. I, I'm not pushing any agenda. But uh, the, the I know the dreidel song. The uh, well, that's that's that can be timely around December. Uh, yeah. Actually, this year the summer, <laughs> the, the winter solstice and Hanukkah and Christmas and they all fall in the same four days. But the whole thing is that it was never disclosed where Moses was actually buried. Oh, so somewhere there's a mountain somewhere where everyone's like somewhere Moses was buried, and the people, the lore, the what we call the Mishnah, the yeah. story around it, is that they did it on purpose. Or, you know, God did it on purpose because that way it wouldn't become a pilgrimage site so that you wouldn't be hmm. distracted from your worship to think about Moses. Oh, so it was like this big mystery. That's what I want. I don't want to be a pilgrimage. <laughs> People coming to Erica to like, you know, visit my site to to ask me for words of wisdom. I don't have time around that. Like, I've worked in HR, like, all my adult life. I'm good now. Yeah, you've given enough advice I've given a lot life. Like, yeah. Just put me in a hole. You know, speaking <laughs> of grave sites, and I think this is apropos for the crying episode, do, have you heard of Kelly Mitchell? Do you folks know who that mm-hmm. is? So in Mississippi, or, yeah, Mississippi, the, the queen of the gypsies, who at the time was the queen of the Roma that were actually in the States, in the South, she died, and she was buried in Mississippi, and if you go to her grave site, people go and they leave, leave tokens and trinkets for her to solve their problems problems and it's oh, actually a place God. you can go that's yeah. like my worst night that's what i'm talking about that's what i'm saying you put me in a hole in the ground yeah. i don't want to solve your problem <laughs> in the afterlife i'm living my best life i'm gonna right bring now. offerings of rose to your gravestone that's different that's no, like something no it'll be me. empty it'll be you know you, there's no place to go it's that's just gonna be that's just that's for me moses site all right. Okay, wait. Erica so Moses, before, what are we drinking? Yeah, before we get into it, although I feel like we already need a second bottle, but that's fine. We got one in there, and Great. we might have to go get a third. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's this it's week Tuesday, is going. guys. So we are drinking a bottle of Gazella 
Vinho Verde Rosé, which is, which see, I'm so much better when I don't have to speak French. I'm not saying that was great, but the French is not, it's not good. I often say the name of the bottle in French and my French is terrible. So it's from Portugal. Vino Verdes tend to be, yeah. Slight effervescence. Yeah. Ooh, that's a fizz. We're getting Lord. so many people on the podcast who know way more about I wine. I know so than much about wine because I worked in a in a beer and wine bar. Oh, yeah. so but the interesting thing about a vino verde is it's only nine percent alcohol. Sometimes nine point five percent alcohol. Ooh. How much does that one say it is? It is nine point five. What do you know? A lot about vino verde, apparently. Wow. <laughs> and it has. Hold on, I'm trying to read this in the light. It has a delightfully soft petal pink hue. And it's made from a blend of indigenous Portuguese grape variety. And it has lively and delicious aromas of red fruit with delicate and refreshing fruity finish. So when I drink this, I think of myself like riding a bike to the park. Or more like probably I walked and then Katie rode a bike and met me there. And now I'm just in the park on the water like drinking this rosé while eating some frosted animal crackers. <laughs> no, no, what do you think of when you drink this lovely rosé? It looks like you need more. No, it's nice. I just wish that it was 13% instead of 9 Wait, what year is it again? There's no year. I was going to say the year. There's no year. Then it's not real. Okay. It's not a real, it's not a real wine if it doesn't have a year? Yeah. When we bust out the other bottle, I'm excited for you guys to see the other bottle I got. What do you it's mean it's not one. real? Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just like making it up. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I think I found a date. So I think there's not like a date on the label like That's they usually That's a sell-by date. But there's a label on the bottom of the bottle. Okay, so here's the thing we figured out. That most rosé, because rosé got really popular at a certain point, was made in 2017 or 2018. Oh, We think so early the in the show, uh-huh. we drank through all the 2018. Uh, it was 17, okay. now we're just getting 18. So when I hold this up to the light... There's an inscription on the bottle, much like the book by Nicholas Bark, Message in a Bottle. And it says 731-18. So I'm going to assume it's 2018, July, the July 2018. Okay. All right. Well, 731-18. That was exactly exactly a year ago. Tomorrow. What were you doing exactly a year ago? Probably listening to this one growl at somebody. And this one is Rosetta for yeah. the audience. I think I was taking a writing workshop in P-Town. I'd oh. have to look at my calendar, but I'm pretty sure that I was at the... I have no idea what I was doing. Oh. Fine Arts Institute in P-Town. I think I was flying to Minneapolis for a conference. Mm. A conference that is actually in New York this year, and I'm going to it in New York this year. But, like, yeah, I think I was flying to Minneapolis, which is, like... Everybody in the Midwest is so nice. It's so weird. There's like a whole expression about that that's like Midwest nice. Yeah, and it's like like slightly uncomfortable if you're from the East Coast. You're like, what's going on? Well, to kick us off in this conversation, I think that is very important to note that tonight, after we finish recording, will be the final, final Bachelorette finale. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out if Hannah makes the biggest mistake of her life. Will it be the biggest mistake of her life? If she doesn't pick Tyler, it will be. I'm not even saying if she picks Jed. Like, I I don't care about that. I'm saying if she does not pick Tyler, then it's... Speaking of a lot of tears to come tonight, yes. our topic today, 20 minutes into this episode. <laughs> we'll do some editing. I'm assuming there'll be editing. 
It's crying. I was crying before this. Was anyone else crying today? Not today. I mean, I've definitely cried in the past month or two, but not today. I'm good today. And for the past few weeks. How about you, Melissa? When was the last time you cried? Good cry. Oh, boy. That's a big topic. That's a big topic. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about, oh, we're going to be talking about crying. And I actually would say that I pretty much spent September 23rd of 2013 until somewhere in the middle of like 2015 crying. And I laugh about like that I mostly cried things out, like in terms of anything like legit, like I... I don't remember a break in crying, actually. Mm. Like, I can't. Like, if I think back to it, I don't remember a time that I wasn't crying. Do you want to so say now, why that date? In specific, that time period? Yeah, it was like a deep time of mourning. I had lost my mom in 2013, and it was extremely shocking and, like, very traumatic. And then there were all these, like, secondary and tertiary losses. So it's like crying became, like my job like I really wish that someone had figured out how to or I had figured out how to get somebody to pay me to cry because it was like what I was doing and now I cry at very strange things Mm -hmm. but I it's very hard for me to have those like big walloping soulful vagina cries like for me when I used to like when I was crying in those years like my years of crying like Mm -hmm. it feels like almost like an article you know, I cry over my mother for different reasons, not because she passed, but just different reasons. And y- you are the person that I text on Mother's Day every year. Yeah, and I appreciate that, actually. It's, it's every year I've just been like, oh, it's Mother's Day. i got to text Melissa. This is the person to talk to yeah. on Mother's Day. <laughs> it's funny, like, there were years where people were doing that all the time, and then that's something that's dropped off. But now when I cry, it's usually about really simple, stupid stuff. Like, I was watching Stranger Things last night, and there was this ridiculous moment where something was funny and it started to make me cry like there are things now where it's like my crying meter is like firing at like different Mm -hmm. like it's it's like different like i have a different kind of like metric or something for for crying so i can like cry quick now like i can have like a 15 second cry and then be back why do you think that is now i don't know i think i broke something or or (laughs) healed something i either broke something or healed something i used to never i used to never be a cry like i didn't cry which i think i got a lot from like my family my family full of people who are like i don't cry and so i used to like not really be a crier but I had the year of tears similarly it was like a shorter time period than yours but there was a series of events over the course of like nine months including like the death of someone who I had been close to and like I was working on my thesis and I was having like what I like to call a not a breakup when you're like I recently learned the phrase situationship or situation like like a relationship but a situationship and I was like oh my god that was totally a situationship so then you have to have a not a breakup and I was like that happened around like the time that like my friend died who I had had another situationship with and I'm like crying over that my apartment got bed bugs and like my shelf crashed into my head like it was like all this stuff so I cried a lot I had a year it was like a nine month of like crying and then after that like I cry now and I didn't I actually I take that back I almost cried last night <laughs> during oh, the part the one of the finale of yep. The Bachelorette she did because so the interesting thing is and when I I get this explained to the reason that I have cried more recently the breakup basically watching The Bachelorette Bachelorette it's actually kind of watching a series of breakup. Because a person starts off with like, you know, like 25 to 30 people and they're getting down to two by the end. And some of those people are actually, they actually are hard for them to say goodbye to because it's like 
only people they're spending time with are the people that they're dating and the producers. And that's it. That's who they're spending time with. So how in love or whatever that is, they are getting attached to these people. And last night, the person, one of the final three who she sent home, that was actually like hard to watch. It was very heartbreaking. And like, you don't always feel that way. The person who got sent home the time before, you were like, yes, we hate him. But like, that one was hard to watch. And like, I almost started crying. And... It's funny because, like, what I've noticed this round of watching, like, Bachelor, I had a breakup myself in June, and it's just watching a series of breakups and, like, seeing pieces of, like, my own breakup and, like, the reason why some of those relationships, like, she's, like, listing why it didn't work out or even being, like, you're perfect, I love you, but we're breaking up. And then so I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I so relate to all of this. So yeah, I well, started crying about you that. It's weird you, stuff. You said you relate to that. Do you want to talk about that now? Well, I did say I broke up. Okay. Yeah. Did I miss that? I yeah, miss that. I did say, yeah. Yeah, I, me and the guy who will still remain nameless because I'm still protective of him and his identity. An on-running joke on this podcast yeah. that will now never be answered. Who was he? It's not that hard, guys. Just like go back on my social, my personal social media. And find out real quick. Have all yeah. the Erica fans go and, and stalk and do a little bit of like. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what we want, though. We want. It's not like that's that. That's how you build fanship. It's, yeah. This has all been deliberate. Don't. It's not, yeah. Don't, don't, don't take, don't, don't, don't get look. taken in. There yeah. are two major hints. One we already gave you in a previous episode regarding something that we shared on our Facebook. And then like I have a post. And maybe I only posted a photo of us one time. But there's a they're the photo. Go back on social media and find it, guys. It's there for you. <laughs> you know, I have to say, sitting and thinking about, like, what makes you cry, I have to say the most. So I think I had a lot of unproductive crying, like, sorrowful, like, desperate, oh, my God my goodness, I don't know how I'm actually going to get through this kind of crying. Like the kind of crying that's just kind of like a wall. Like it's just like a way to like, I don't know. It was almost like keeping me alive somehow. Just kind of like, it was like a puke cry. Mm -hmm. But I have to say the most healing cry that I can think of that I've had in recent years, I can actually like remember it, was I was watching a Disney movie. Yes, and already on board with everything that's happening. And I have to say, Disney cries are really interesting cries. Like they are masters at the manipulation Mm -hmm. of crying, and like I think beauty, beautiful crying somehow. Mm -hmm. But I have to say that the most healing cry that I've had in recent years was the summer of 2016, and it was Moana. Yeah, and I'll tell you why because Moana goes on this amazing journey, and it's not just the amazing story of this woman who's not a princess, by the way. She's the daughter of a chief, and she saves herself and all these great things, wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Like if if you're a parent and watching, like, and if you haven't watched this with your child, like boy or girl or non-gendered person, like watch Moana. But she confronts Tafifi who had become this monster Mm, because so much had been robbed of Tafifi and Tafifi had become a lava monster and was destroying everything. And it was her own pain that was destroying the world. And she didn't know how to heal herself because something had been taken from her. I'm not going to spoil it. Spoiler alert. Mo is such a beautiful moment though. And I haven't seen any of this. Confronting, I'm not going to spoil it. 
confronting this, I was like crying because all of a sudden I realized that through my grief I had ruined, I lost my best friend. Like the relationship that probably mattered the most to me, more than a man, like more than than anything, like had, you know, ripped that out of the ground, had lost like employment, had lost like all these people because my, my sorrow knew no bounds because something that I didn't know how to comprehend or how to articulate had really just been ripped from the heart of me. And I didn't know how to heal myself. And the way that this moment happens of this, this like destructive lava monster being confronted and then, then healed, I was like, I'm a lava monster. (laughs) And, and then, and I, and cried for it and cried for that loss and was able to kind of see this mirror in this kind of, of way that Disney in its most manipulative way offered up for me in that moment. And it was, it was, it's a very memorable moment. I and like I don't know if I've cried since then. That's the title of this episode. It so beautiful. If Erica can have a chance to sing on this podcast, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, she welcome. did say Disney movie. So I'm also, I think the title of this episode is now the lava monster. <laughs> oh, I'm into that. Sure. Yeah, sure. What, like, I'm curious, you keep saying heal yourself after these these cries, heal yourself. I don't think I've ever felt healed by a cry. I just felt like I maybe, like, purged something for a bit that I cried, but not that necessarily anything was resolved. I mean, I've certainly, like, have felt, yeah, like, what you said, like, I, like, I, like, got something out of me. I think the healing might be in, from Melissa's story, it's, like, the reflection like you cry and then you go, wait, why did I just cry? But is the act of crying, like that purge, is that actually healing you in some ways, but just by releasing it? For some people, I, for some people, maybe. I've had cries that feel unending and just continue to rip me apart, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I've definitely had cries that are just like, okay, like I needed that. Like I, like, I think that that idea of, of the cry that like, is transformative is real for sure. Like mm-hmm. I think where it like propels you um, to the next place. I, I, my, some of my favorite cries that I've ever had are like when it then later, like you equally laugh as hard. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, like I actually hate crying. Like I am someone who did it so much and like I feel like I have this whole crying vocabulary. Like I have like I know my cries so well. Like I know when it's like emanating from my chest. I know when it's coming from like my throat. I can feel it like when it starts like in my brain and just like starts like like pearls and like uh, you know tears are rolling Mm -hmm. down. But like I also feel like the the if that's the tails of the quarter, then the heads of the quarter is the laugh that can come after that. I think. Yeah. Do you think that hatred of crying? Like, because I also hate crying too. Like, that's got to come from some kind of shame as well. Yeah, especially the woman too. I I think that one of the most, not to cut you off, sorry, Erica, but I think that one of the best examples, and we are definitely not the first people to talk about this, but is the subway cry. Oh, God. And so many of those. They're so embarrassing, but also in New York City, you can just do it and no one's paying you attention. Yeah, and everyone has had the subway cry or has been witness to the subway cry. And like everyone has different ways of managing the subway cry, whether you're the the participant. It's everybody else's equivalent to like the car ride home cry, but no one's witnessing you in the car ride home. No one, like in the subway, you're exposed. Yeah. 
Oh, wait, the subway is? The subway cry home Because you're not directing a, car a vehicle. Ride home because you're not driving a car. Yeah. You, like, but crying. it's like super embarrassing because everybody sees it. But at the same time, you know it's New York City and no one's like paying you any mind. So right. you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was trying to, I was like, I never cried on it that way. But I thought about it, like, oh, wait, no. Yes, I definitely have. And I certainly have held it in on the subway. I I feel like I have more like I held it in on the subway story mm-hmm. that like I wanted to cry for one reason or another. I subway cried last week. Like like Friday. This is Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I think the last time I subway cried was the day after the election. And not actually necessarily because of the election itself. I actually hadn't cried at all yet. It was it was because um on the way to work, I was writing, I'm in charge of, like, I oversee, and at the time I was the only person doing the communication stuff at my job, and we were writing a message to our student that we were going to release that day, and I was doing it on my phone on the way to work so that I could have it done when I got into the office, because I was already going into work late, and as I'm writing this message to our student, I started crying, because I was like, oh no, like, Oh, I failed you. Like, as a grown-up, I failed you. And that... How did you fail them? Huh? How did I fail them? Like, as a... You didn't protect them. I didn't protect them well enough. I didn't fight... Yeah, I didn't protect them well enough. I didn't fight I had a very similar feeling. There was a really wonderful cry I had, actually, now that I think about it. So if that was the summer of 2016 with Moana, then November of 2016, I was with another teaching artist who convinced me in the morning to get up and actually go teach. I was like, we have to cancel, we have to cancel. And I cried, speaking of unsafe crying, I drove and cried all the way to the Bronx after the election. I know it's like election trauma story, like yeah. also done to death. But there was this insane I moment. was on the phone with you. On the, on the drive. Yeah, you don't remember that? On the drive? Well, we were with texting. With Javier? We were texting all morning, and at some point, you called me. You don't remember this? The day after the election? You were hysterical. So uh, I'm not surprised that you didn't. No, no, no. Of course. Of course. Because <laughs> I remember I wrote to... I was also hysterical. Like, we'll add. Yeah. And I remember Hillary came on NPR, and I had another teaching artist friend in the car with me. I wish I could feel comfortable saying their name, because they might either appreciate the shout out or not. But you know who you were. And uh, the Hillary came on to do the concession speech while we were in the car on NPR, and we were driving on the BQE, and I was just in between exit 26, so coming off of Hamilton, for those of you who drive the BQE, up to exit 27, and on this retaining wall on the right-hand side going um, east on the BQE, there had been something spray-painted that I actually hadn't even seen before somehow, and spray-painted on the wall while she's giving her concession speech. It said, Hillary smells like war. And it was just this moment of completely letting go of any hope of this, the outcome being different. It was like seeing that, understanding that the, 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 the country had made this choice, and then also listening to her, you know, come up and belly up to the bar and be like, this is, this is over. So that was another memorable sobbing and driving. So I was yeah. like, I, uh, driving and, and crying and poor person in the passenger seat with me was just like, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Yeah, that. It's it's really interesting. I was thinking earlier, I was thinking a little bit of it earlier, but you were talking about like the shame of crying, Katie. And I think 
part of it is there's like a general shame around crying in our society, especially in certain cultures more than ever. I am from a black southern military family, so there are like three groups of people telling me it's not a good idea to cry, <laughs> just like in yeah. my upbringing. And I was encouraged to bring out my emotions through my art, like, and that for a long time I was like, you don't cry, put it in my art, and then I'm done with it. Like, that was pretty much my mantra there. But there's like a whole nother level around being a woman and crying because you already know, I feel like just from being a woman, you are likely, whether people know it or not, proceed to some level of weak. And I guess the reason why people like maybe don't like crying at work, especially people who work in corporate settings. Or uh, There was a whole episode of Sex in the City one, which one character, was it Charlotte, Miranda, someone would say, it was like the one time she ever cried at work. And for the rest of time, everyone would always be like, oh, well, don't, don't say anything. You might make Miranda cry. Like, and so there's kind of like that additional layer. And I think that like our generation, although I am like, very always very proud of being like the one year outside of being millennial i'm a zennial i think that like our generation of folks who grew up in the like you know like 80s and 90s there's also the whole like uh, league of their own there's no crying in baseball trope yes Mm -hmm. and everyone pulls that out like right or Mm -hmm. you know those of a certain age will pull that out in that sense of kind of like oh right gotta button it up gotta bring it back Right. Yeah. And I think it's to your Miranda point where it's yeah. kind of like, oh, this is the this is the weak, shameful thing. Like, don't do it. Yeah. Man, I encourage all my kids to cry in class when they feel like it. Do y'all do that? I'm uncomfortable with watching it, but I'm I don't want to stop anybody and like I wanna encourage you to do it because I'm still getting comfortable with the idea that I cry. Like I I'm getting comfortable with that idea that I cry and so it makes me uncomfortable to watch it, but I'm like I'm never going to stop you. And if you need to cry, absolutely, please cry. But I'm probably still not at a point where I'm not the person who's like, if you got to cry, just let it out. Well, I'm not encouraging them to cry. That's the wrong, <laughs> wrong well, thing to say. I encourage <laughs> Katie has a baseball bat and she's just like, there just is like, crying in baseball. crying in baseball. <laughs> you will cry or you will get out. <laughs> no, but I teach all teenage girls in like a room and it's like, you know what? Like tears are going to come. I'm going to cry. And so like, I'm like, I totally like have taught through tears before. My kids are just like watching me and I'm just like, yeah, like this is how I feel right now but we're gonna keep going yeah yeah so like we acknowledge how i feel and now we're gonna keep going we can talk about it if you want but also like sometimes people just need to cry the day of the election one of the students so when i made it i parked i got into the school and i was teaching and i was crying and one of the students was like miss are you crying because hillary lost the election and i was like yeah and she was like okay good Oh, oh. I cried. Think you were happy? No, I think it was more like she understood. Oh yeah, like yeah. it made everything a little bit more understandable. Yeah, yeah. oh totally. And I think that it was kind of like uh, my teaching partner and I unpacked that afterward, and I think it was this sense of you're on our side, or like because some conversation came up about people being upset about it, and I think that it was about you didn't vote for him. Right. And I think that that was questions that I had students come come up with that, like, or that came up with students that were like, who did you vote for, miss? And that was like a really big deal, too. Yeah. I thought of another time I cried. Can I tell you? Yeah. So actually, it was it was last summer. So now we're really like moving through time. 
And it was a really interesting day. I was part of a program at Drew University in religion and conflict transformation. And I was with people from all over the world. And I checked my phone, which I shouldn't have done. I should have been not on my phone. And all of a sudden, two, a day before or two days before, I could, I could look it up and see exactly the timeline. But Kennedy had died. And I, I was... Like, I I remember just being, like, out of my mind, like, worried about what that meant, and for good reason, as we all know now. And then two days later, maybe I have this reversed. Maybe this happened first, and then Kennedy died. But they had upheld the travel ban, Mm -hmm. what people were calling the Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court had decided, with Gorsuch on the bench... And I remember sitting in this room and seeing it. And as someone who'd been at JFK and had supported the, you mm-hmm. know, the protests at the airports in January of 2017, it was just one of the saddest things. And just that sense that the country was moving in that direction and that that was going into effect. And I remember sitting in the room and just having that kind of quiet sob where you don't want people to know. It's mm-hmm. similar to the subway cry. And, like, people just slowly starting to notice that, like, you know, that you were crying. So these days, honestly, like, I think a lot of people are crying over the state of the nation, too. Oh, yeah. Like, there's personal... I think that there's, like, personal cries, and then I think that there are these kind of, like, global cries. These, like, who are we? Where where are we? Where are we landing as people? It's interesting. I don't cry much over that, mostly because I'm, like, a little bit even, like, meh, we were always fucked. There's a little bit of that happening with me that I don't cry much over that but then I will cry sometimes in a very like individual moment like when thinking about my students specifically or like like that some some small part of it or like like if I see a picture of a child in a cage like that makes me cry but I think like my my brain trying to grapple like the onslaught of like also because it's just like thing after thing after thing. I think there was a shooting this week. Yeah, like, it was a garlic festival in California. Didn't in even catch of, it. Wait, what? There was a shooting. There was another shooting this week. I, the fact that we at don't, a garlic festival. Yeah, in Northern California, three people died. When 13, did that happen? Like yesterday or Sunday? Forty-eight hours ago. Yeah. I mean, I will say in the last like I have yeah, yeah, yeah last life. few weeks have been like crazy for me. So. Paying attention to national news is terrible. Oh, my God. 13-year-old girl, person, doesn't matter. And then someone who I think was slightly older, somewhere maybe 20-something. Just like someone random, or did they know them, or what happened? Apparently the details are still out. I don't know what you've heard. Yeah, I don't really know that much. So the details are still out, but like the police responded within a minute of of the shooting, and I think three people died in the first round or something. Yeah. And then they took him down immediately. It's just the gunman's dead. There's just so many happening that it's like hard to like focus in. But like, but if then if I were to read a story of one of the people who died, then I might cry. like that's the kind of thing that makes me cry. Yeah. Like the details that Narrative. make me cry, not not the big picture because it's just like there's just so much crap happening. Or even like you were saying earlier, like have you ever cried in your class with a student? I I have, and I usually cry or almost cry during the very last day of the year mm-hmm. when, especially when we have our seniors going mm-hmm. and we're all saying goodbye to each other and like I have been known to like openly start crying in front of the student and I don't cry a lot in class and I'm usually like the teaching artist who's a little bit more like guys we have a show just get it together and then so when I'm like crying they're like because it's all about like 
you're right. Like, it's the narrative that makes me cry. You just connected something huge for me. Like, I cry during movies. I cry during shows. I don't always cry. Like, when my grandpa died, I didn't cry until his funeral. But up until then, I hadn't cried yet. And it's about, like, the narrative, the moment, not necessarily the thing itself, even mm. if it terrifies me or is sad. Whatever coping mechanism I have, I don't cry about that. Here's a question I have, and this might seem off topic for a second, but it's not. I swear in my head it's related. I just asked you if the gunmen went down. And so, like, it was a man, right? I just automatically assumed that it was a man that shot, right? Uh-huh. So is that true? Like it was a man. Yeah. All of these shootings have been men. And so I'm Most wondering. Most of them. I, there might be one where at least. I think a woman, woman was involved in the yeah. San Baron Bernardino. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. She was like the wife of him or something. Yeah. But there yeah, was yeah. one woman involved. So I'm wondering if there is something like that's happening, at least in this country right now, where like what is happening with all these shootings first of all it's just like the first question but like to me it feels like there is not like some kind of healthy emotional release happening for for these people behind the gun there could be mental illness all kinds of things like coupled with that um yes we should fucking control our guns that's our stance like if you don't like it don't listen to this podcast um but there there is something that is not getting emotionally like in a healthy way released especially with men I would think with men yeah and like we are all very comfortable here about talking about how we cry like even if we don't like doing it we do it if we even if we don't like doing it or we were raised to not cry or kind of belittled for our crying which leaks like you know I think most of us in a way were um we still as educators at least are comfortable with crying Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a part of like our social emotional learning as we progressed in educators. But I'm just wondering like what you guys think about that. Like we know already the state of like social emotional learning in this country. We know how it's handled in the schools. We see it day to day. And I think in New York we're very privileged because we see a different level of like how people are taught to express things. And I think I think in other parts of the country they are not, and like that's where we're seeing things like these shootings. That's what it feels inherent. Like it feels like that's a natural instinct for me of what's going on, of one part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys feel. Well, I feel like boys don't cry has been a trope for sure. a really really long time, and I think that you know, look, I always hedge around the idea of talking about buzzwords or using buzz- buzzwords in kind of like a light way because I feel like everybody's so sick of hearing about things like toxic masculinity, right, or um, you know any kind of term that people just kind of like turn their their ear away from, and I think it's because the term doesn't get explained well, and sure. I think a lot. Uh, of what toxic masculinity is and the reason it's gained so much traction in the news or people are talking about it and theorists and professors and like thought leaders like I have a wonderful cadre of friends who've taught really interesting workshops back to the Jewish community but my friend Mare and my friend Caroline like they recently like taught a really interesting uh, or my friend Adam taught a really interesting workshop on toxic masculinity and I think that it's defining it and I think that part of the reason why it's hard to like bring it to people who are reticent or bring it to people who are resistant is because we don't break it down and we Mm. don't talk about what Mm -hmm. it looks like because people all of a sudden just feel attacked yes Mm -hmm. right and that's what it's the same with using the word racism and privilege privilege and I, I don't I don't say that we should eschew 
you know, talking about it or using the terms, but I think that I think that there are people who are tired and they don't want to explain themselves and they shouldn't. And I think that if people are in a place where they're just like, that's not my job to educate you, please don't. I actually, I, I agree. Like, don't. Mm-hmm. And I also am someone who's, who is, is, I feel like, like stepping up to that plate is, is part of my job, right? Mm-hmm. To use more baseball metaphor. Um, <laughs> and that's what I actually do want to do. And, and I know a lot of really interesting educators and people who do. And I think that getting people to actually talk about what it means is core to changing it. And like actually being like, when we say toxic masculinity, we don't mean you just being a man or a person who identifies as a man. We don't mean that like, you know, wearing gym shorts or, you know, you know, playing basketball. Like we're not talking about those things. No, a great example of toxic masculinity is what we saw in The Bachelor this season. This Bachelorette. It all comes back. This season of The Bachelorette has been the best by far. And like a lot of Bachelor Nation says that by far because... First of all, The Bachelorette turned out to be like a huge pro-feminist in ways everybody judged her because she's like Miss Alabama. She came on and like she was on The Bachelor like and it was just kind of like she had a beef with somebody and it was like you didn't get to know her. But the second like she came out as herself on The Bachelorette, everybody was like, oh shit, this is a different person than we thought it was. Mm -hmm. She has talked about slut shaming, herself being a mess, toxic masculinity in certain ways and like it's been probably the biggest like move towards like talking about feminism and stuff for the bachelor franchise but a really good example is luke p on i know i don't know but i'll explain it real quick luke p yeah he's a fucking he's the villain more than a villain of this season he's he, like, he like the, the the gaston he, yes yes <laughs> he is yes he is gaston Yes. Oh my God! Yes. Essentially, he basically like told her like he he's essentially <laughs> like a religious Gaston. Yeah, he like all under the guise of Christianity, as it you know happens. Sometimes. He's a trope for what's happening in America. Right yeah, now. but like it's like that like that is an example of actual toxic masculinity, where he is somebody who one is and and not this has anything to do with Christianity, but he is using Christianity as a front for his very sexist viewpoints and to like broadcast them on national television like he made it really far on national television and was able to like put those views out in front of like a ton of people well i think the other reason why he is a symbol of toxic masculinity it's also because he themed that like oh and specifically where in our country right now towards the end and they do something called men tell all where like everybody comes back he seems to have some level he does have some level of awareness of it and he apparently had even tweeted like during the last episode that he was on was like who's ready for the luke p show to be over like he had some level of awareness of it but when the other guys and like hannah were calling chris the host were calling him out for specific things he had a lot of trouble responding and to me that's kind of like the other side of where it is that men are starting to have more awareness of them and that toxic behavior but they're having trouble he showed like almost no emotion too and like i think that's back to this where like he he never cried at any point on the show he would get really frustrated he would he he would show anger but he couldn't cry and i feel like because anger is a comfortable thing that they're allowed like that that toxic masculinity says like yes you are allowed to express anger but if women express anger then we're like crazy hysterical i know i've already used the word hysterical but i'm fucking co-opting that term back and i can say it whenever i want but hysterical you know comes from yeah yeah 
You want to explain it just so we... Well, I was going to say, I mean, like, so when we we think about, like, the idea of a hysterectomy or, like, any hysterical, like, all of these words come from, like, the idea of... uh, the female, the female anatomy and like, uh, you know, hormones and, and all those things. And so often they would like give a hysterectomy to women to like calm them down. Yeah. Like that was the way that they, like, and women were things. diagnosed with hysteria, like often. And right. I think it's really important. Like language is super powerful in all of this. And it's really important to know like the etymology of words. Right. And even you talking about the kind like I dated a guy who was like aware of the fact that he couldn't and didn't cry he would like act about her. He would be like, "Do you think that's weird?" Or like, be like, "How often do you cry?" Like he was aware of it, but like, it wasn't anything that like could be fixed or changed or something. So I, I mean, it can be changed, but he was having trouble wrapping his mind around it, and so it kind of like sort of presents to me even guys who are trying to progress or move forward through it how. Like, how this toxic masculinity thing, like, is really, like, dragged into men. In particular, you were talking about, like, the 80s and the 90s and there's no crying and baseball and kind of that thing. I mean, I've thought a lot recently about, like, how that thought process really affected, like, men. Because I just know so many women in my age group who are, like, dealing with something with, like, a guy who's unable to, like, show emotions on some level. And maybe that's been the thing with a lot of men. Not all men, but... Hashtag not all men. Hashtag not all men. (laughs) I actually have a meme saved on my phone that I can, like, drop in the conversation that says, not all men, but definitely this fucking one. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, like, I'm like, it just saved, and I have it ready to just, like, drop in the, like, random shit. I need that Yeah, I'll send it to you. But, so, I think, like... There's, like, an interesting, like, wrestling point of it. And Katie and I recently read this article that was in Harper's Bazaar about how men have trouble expressing their emotion to, like, their friend. They want to be with each other. They do a lot of things where they're with each other. They're watching sports, right? They're watching sports. They're in a band. They They go to the gym. They go to the gym. They do a lot of things where they're physically with each other but if you asked them what they talked about they didn't talk about anything meanwhile if you asked us you're like wow so and so is happening with so and so and then we cried and then we laughed and then we hugged like this is like a totally different thing yeah so there's a, a trend it's called men have no friends and women bear the burden from bizarre right oh. harper's bizarre so what happens is because they don't open up to their male friend they either open up due to women they're in relationship with or their female friend and like sometimes if you think about some of the reasons why you've had some like weird like friendship with some of your male friends you're like oh because you were like pouring that all into me because you weren't sure who else to tell and sometimes like you know how you have some like situationship where you're like did we become did we like become a weird thing because we should be together or was that just because you felt comfortable talking to me and then something developed out of that the way you don't with your other friendships right and so what the article talked about toward the end is that some men are starting to form male support group so they can talk yeah. to each other and cry with each other katie and i were like oh my god what is this how how do we how can we sign people up for it like it was like such an amazing like thought like yeah like, men should be able to... I can't recommend enough, like, crying to your friend. When I have my breakup, I call Katie. Yeah. And, and, like, Katie was over at my apartment with a bottle of rosé. And, like, within, like, 
15, 20 minutes. And like, that was everything. And, but I like, men don't necessarily have that. They like, they go home alone or they sit alone or they like go to a strip club or something or something like, you know what I mean? I know there are men who do that, but like they don't, then who are they going to sit and like cry with afterwards? Yeah. Oh boy. So many things to add on to that. So I, I know someone who is is in a, a support group, a men's support group. Really? And it's really changed his life. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's really, I mean. Here in the city? Yeah. And actually, he's yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, he's he's like one of those people who like we didn't work out, but like he's a he's like trying to do the work. And then there's another you don't. And then there's another moment that I just want to you you said the thing about like men not knowing about their feelings or whatever and like sitting and not talking. Like I have an ex boyfriend who I still like, you know, when you've got the guy that's like the torch, like the one. Sure. And. Uh, multiple like cycles through time but he once said something to me that stuck in my memory that was just like i remember i was talking to him about his feelings or something and he's like he's like melissa i i don't know how i feel until i tell it to you not necessarily to me but like and he was like very clear that no narcissism here but i felt like he was saying that he didn't really know how he even understood about his own feelings until he was able to try to talk to it, talk about it wow. to somebody else, you know? And that was a very telling moment. I mean, that's true, but that also just speaks to you as a person. You're a very easy person to talk to and, and like you go really in depth with your true. feelings. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, I can hear someone else saying that, like that's why they would want to talk to you. I know it should have worked out between us. <laughs> you hear that you men who, you know, one or two of you that are listening to this. <laughs> Tell me about your, yeah, your listening ship. Yeah, maybe this episode will get them in. We got, we no, got it's we, a mostly female listenership. We, yeah. we know We this. are actually recording this episode because we were like, eh, the men won't really listen to this. We oh, can yeah, say yeah, whatever yeah. we want to say on here. We did find out we have a couple male listeners, which is Ooh. great. We love you. We'll... We'll We're shout it out later. That. We won't. We <laughs> oh. won't call them out unless they want to be called out. That's okay, right. I don't know who they are, so you can tell me about. Hey. That have, speaking of memes, have you seen? Anyway, this Melissa's single is what I'm trying to say. Yes, great. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, this is a Erica is also currently single. Oh, yes. Yeah, Erica and Melissa are hot, hot single lady. All single ladies. And I'd also them. like to say that I'm flexible in terms of the gender that I yep, date. See, so there we like, go. Ladies too. Yeah, I'm super listening. Open. Look, there's a lot of ladies who listen to the show. Particularly pansexual. Melissa uh, throws um, a great... Uh, Seder. Sa- yes, you knew what I was thinking. I just took the thought right out of your brain. You did. I was about to say Sabbath. I was like, that's not the right word. Seder. This is the Rosé talking. It'd be really funny. Seder. I- an amazing vegan Seder. Like, fucking incredible. Want to come back every time. Anyway, continue yeah, to so what you're all saying. all the, like, queer Jewish women who are listening, or men, of we the could. two of you, please feel free. Hey, there was something else I was going to say. You're always invited, right? Next year in Melissa's house. Oh, there was something you said that I wanted to jump on. I'll think of it. But it was about dating or men. Now the rosé has taken its Yeah, stroll. this is what it does. I hit my moment. I found my moment. Have maybe you gotten we... sponsorship, by the way, that there no, is it's a brand? No, it's, it's a goal. We've it's been, a goal. We have so many rosé people that fucking tag us in Instagram posts and we're like, send us the rosé and we'll plug you. Yeah. <laughs> send us the rosé. It's nuts. Yeah. Send us the rosé. I mean, I really think there's a rosé company called Rosé All Day. There, there, yeah, there is. The Yes Way Rosé. Oh yes, there is rosé all day, all, all oh, day. They they tag us all the time. Like you can go to our Instagram and see what we've been tagged How in, and do it's they all not by one. Just like employ I don't know. You. I don't know. We're working on it. 
We also don't release episodes like too In regularly. Yeah, we're not very timely right now. It's kind of like when we have time and then we get them out. Right now it's been about once a month. I just feel like you deserve to be making more money. We do yeah, we, it's a goal of ours to Yeah, if you're a rosé company listening, off of the we'll podcast. take your wine. So we will take your wine and your money. And we <laughs> your will sponsorship. Plug yeah, you. We will plug you to all of our friends. Anyway, I, I will say your rosé makes me feel a particular way. You tell me and I will read that <laughs> script. You Whatever lifestyle you want me to be living with your rosé. I think it's the, the combination of the heat in here and the rosé that is very quickly going to our heads. Yeah. Anyway, maybe we should cry. We all will. We'll, we'll, we'll see who find who wins the Bachelor, and then maybe we will cry. I'll probably cry during tonight's episode probably. of the Bachelorette. Like I feel that coming. I I want to say one thing we didn't uh, tap on is that crying from inspiration is also something mm, that happens. Yeah. Like I was saying the thing about like a funny moment, but like I also like when something's just so like. Do you guys know the dodo? The dodo. It's this ridiculous viral um, animal animal stories talking about narrative. No. Where you like learn about their rescue or like oh some I funny can't do animal. that. Yeah, the, that, forget mm-hmm, it. I'm no. done. Or like anything inspirational these days. I think makes me cry. Where I'm like, see, uh, we can do it. We can do it. It's the we can do it cry. Yeah, mm. I have I have cried at something stupid in the last week, and now I can't remember what it was. But I would share it if I could remember it. But the rose has made me forget it. All right, well, well maybe we should leave it there. I cried because um, we're talking about we're we're wrapping up. Talk- well, let let's do this oh. if we're gonna if we're gonna wrap up. Okay, the best cry ever. Oh like wait, you felt, felt best, or you think it's the most ridiculous? Whatever your best cry ever, whatever that means to you. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I had like a big, I don't know. I have to think. Okay. Mine is going to be, so when I was 16, this is what it's going to be. So when I was 16, I was going through some shit, right? Just like fucking the shit like with my parents, rehab for a family member, I was in love with a married man who said he loved me, which was real fucked up. He was 10 years older than me, or five years. I can't remember. Same, but 30 years older. What? I was planning on marrying a backstreet boy when I was 16. (laughs) Whatever y'all would do. Uh, Some fucked up shit. And like, yeah, just like all kinds of, of things. And there's not like one particular moment, but I remember several times where I would just like sit and like in my car my little my little shitty Saturn that I would drive my little white Saturn love that baby drive around and just like willfully start hysterically crying so that I could like hit the windshield at stoplights and like make faces at people and like throw things in my car I treated that car like shit and just like like go buck wild inside my car and have a hysterical cry and then I'd get home and be like okay I will take care of this thing (laughs) for you and I occasionally do that like right now I'm going through a tough time like you both know but we won't sure and I have done that recently as well like where I've just like like I told Erica the other day when I was out running about two weeks ago three weeks ago mm-hmm. in the thick of all this stuff I was running down here on Riverside Avenue where I live in Sugar Hill and all of a sudden I f- I, well, there were three teenage boys on bicycles ahead of me, and I passed them running, and I had my headphones in. And then I feel, as we women do when men are around, I feel them coming in from back behind, like 
coming in on me. They're speeding up. And I start to hear them out of my headphones. And they are saying salacious things. So I like jerked my headphones out. And one tries to grab me. And they're about 13-year-olds, boys. And I'm saying this. I might cut this out later. I grab the one to my right by his collar. And I raised my fist. And I said, do you want to fuck with me? And I felt like that buck wild just come over me where I was like, I don't care if you're a little 13-year-old boys. Like, you do not get to do this to, like, women. You do not get to touch them or say dirty things to them. Or, like, while they're out alone running. Like, you do not, like, you go complain to your mama. I'll deal with her. And I will tell her what you did. And she will feel like say that I am justified and they got like panicked and they like like biked away and one tried to flip me off and so I started hauling ass after them they like they like took off because they were scared but like that was one of those moments where I was like one okay like those kids probably deserve to like have the, the shit scared out of them but also like I feel like I feel a little like I'm already in a bad emotional state and I feel like errat like not ira- I don't like to use the word irrational, but I feel like wild a little bit. Raw. Raw. Yeah. There we go. Where it's just like, it's all got to come pouring out one way or another. Yeah. Okay. I think I said, um, I like, because I still kind of like don't feel close to the idea of crying. Like I'm getting used to the fact that I cry. Sometimes I cry a lot more now than I used to. But, like, they're all so sad. Like, there's no story. You know what I mean? So it's, like, hard for me to be like, oh, what's a good cry? Because they're all so sad. Like, but the big ones are so sad. But the one I'm thinking of in particular was actually so... So when I was 18, my uncle was killed in Iraq. And 19. And my uncle had been 28 years old. And I come from, like, a big military family, three generations. And he was the first person to actually die. And so it was also kind of like shook my family because, like, you know, someone in our family had pretty much been in every, if not multiple members, had been in every conflict. No one had actually died. It was a big fucking deal. And he was like my big brother. And he had two funerals. Um, there was the hometown one and there was the Arlington Cemetery one. And they were like days apart, maybe two days apart. Like we did one and we all drove up and we did the second one. I was fine during the first one in fact i even laughed at one point i laughed twice partially because at one point there was this soldier who was singing god bless the usa because i'm proud to be an american and he was like it was so dramatic it reminded several of the members of my family of the movie old school and like we like looked at each other and we like kind of made a joke about it and like mm. we talked about like we actually laughed several times during that first funeral, but then the second one, there the moment that well there was twice that I like lost it. It was when we were leaving the chapel and going to like the grave the gravesite. I started crying a lot then, and then it was like when we were there and they were gonna lower him into the ground. I just like lost it, lost it, lost it, lost it, lost it. And the sibling were all sat like in the front. And my mother's number four. So she was in the front row. And one of my younger brothers was only like five at the time and sitting on her lap. And she could hear me, but she couldn't like, you know, military funeral, very somber. She couldn't get to me. My stepmom, who my dad and my stepmom had been together since I was four years old. My parents got divorced when I was very young. Like, she was further back than me, but she pushed through everybody and then, like, got to me and grabbed me. 
And so when my mom was finally able to make like eye contact with where I was, she thought that my stepmom had me. Mm. And she was like, okay. Because she was freaking out because she knew that that was my cry. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't. And it was, I was the most hysterical member of my family at that point. Mm. But she couldn't get to me. And then my stepmom had me. And my mom was like, okay. <sighs> so yeah, I feel like that's like yeah. one of the biggest ones I remember. Mm. It's so sad. It's like when you, your mind and body like collide and finally realize what's going on mm-hmm. is when that shit happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'll I'll leave. My, right, like there, it's so easy to go to a sad place, and there's a million that I could detail. So many memorable cries, but I think my favorite cry is actually a really beautiful cry, and um, Moana. Well, we we went there already, but (laughs) I'll do one that I haven't talked about. It was 1998, and my grandmother and my sister and I were sneaking out of the hotel that we had lived in for two years in Southern California, and uh, sneaking out without paying the bill. Mm. And at that point, my family was moving back across to the East Coast from California, and I had been in love with my best friend. And later he would be the person that I would lose my virginity to. And he was the person that I felt the closest to. Totally gay and was then also gay. Very complicated. Uh, You know, gender has always been fluid. Sexuality has always been fluid. And he was the person that picked us up like in the middle of the night and brought us to the airport. How old were you? 18. 17. Oh, wow. 18. And it was me and my sister and my grandmother and like whatever we could carry that we were taking with us. And he brought us to the airport in uh, at LAX and dropped us off. And, you know, he said goodbye to my sister and my grandmother. And the two of us just looked at each other and sobbed uncontrollably in, into each other's arms. And I, I remember that cry more, maybe more than any other cry. I mean, that's a cry now, like yeah. 20, 21 years ago, 20 years ago. Is he still a close friend? We were just fighting about my gym membership. <laughs> <laughs> that you don't Literally use? Literally at the door. So yeah, he is still my closest friend and is definitely, was my first lover and my closest friend and the person who helped with all of my family hijinks and the family getaway and uh, is the person who, I joke, I committed some kind of a crime. He'd be the person who I like would try and mm-hmm. like, you know, knock on the door and and seek out help but that love like that sense of like missing someone because i knew at that point that like you know there was a huge ending you Mm -hmm. know to to the way that we were friends like spending so many years like spending time and and just being able to hug someone and hold them and cry Mm yeah that's something that's really special i want to cry we're not gonna cry right now we're gonna go and we're gonna watch the Bachelorette. And then we'll cry. I may or may not cry. It depends on like how this shakes out, but I, I may or may not cry. I do feel like crying, like so it's probably time to like... Well, you'll just cry either way. I'm going to cry either Perfect way. Perfect timing as for I all of this. As I tell Perfect my kids, it's okay if you need to cry. So as we wrap up, as, I don't feel like we're ending on like a somber note, but it is an episode about crying. So I think we're trying to say that like, oh, and there it goes, that we're, um, that crying's okay. Crying is okay, guys. Crying is necessary. Yeah. 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 I feel so much better. It's a mechanism that our body does for a reason. So lean in, lean, lean way in. Yeah. 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 When I started crying more, I knew that something in me had healed. 
like the, having the ability to cry that I didn't have for a long time, or only had in really extreme cases, it meant something had healed. And so I think crying is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Sometimes your lava monster needs to get something out. Call back. Call back. This and sometimes yeah. it can be fiery and painful and, and angry, but ultimately it's going to get you back to the garden. Yep. Mm. I like that. This has been Rosé All Day Anyways with Erica Atkins and me, Katie Rainey, and our beautiful guest, Melissa Shaw, who always has a knack for bringing the pensiveness into a conversation, which is where we're leaving now, and I like it a lot. Well, you guys have a, a blessed day, morning, afternoon, evening, Whenever you listen to Good afternoon, to good evening, evening and, and good, good night. night. I mean, we're voting for Tyler, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And remember, it's always a good time to drink some rosé. Which, by the way, I'm going to throw out real quick. Oh, we yeah, didn't, yeah, We didn't say my... I just want you all to see the label for the second bottle of wine. Yeah, we, we, we opened the second bottle. Oh, it's a bulldog. It's a bulldog. It's called Paxis. Paxis. <laughs> I don't know. I don't speak French. And it's got a cute it's bulldog on it. Oh, and it's 12% alcohol. Amen. See, it's so much better than nine. There we go. And okay. it's got a cute bulldog on it. So drink that rosé, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bezos.